Bristol Business School and Bristol Law School at UE Bristol bring you the Future Impact podcast series. In this series, we're delving into the topics that you want to discuss, from life-changing research and cutting-edge technology to brand new ways of thinking. We will be calling on UE Bristol academics and real-world practitioners to help us get the answers and share their industry knowledge and insights. Welcome to our Future Impact podcast on the topic of the events industry, how COVID-19 has impacted it, and how things may change moving forwards. This morning, we're joined by three experts and practitioners. Dan Knox, Departmental External Engagement Lead for Business and Management at UE Bristol. Sarah Atkinson, Head of Events and Stakeholder Engagement at UE Bristol. And Ben Hardy, Managing Director of Richmond Event Management and since 2010, the person responsible for the operational delivery of the Bristol International Balloon Fiesta. We're going to start with some questions that we'd like some input from all of you on. So firstly, what impact have you seen on the events industry since COVID-19? And I think we'll take some comments from Dan on that first. Good morning, Rachel. Um, Good morning. Uh, the initial impact, I think, has been very dramatic in terms of the ability for event uh, owners or event uh, practitioners to actually stage any live events. I think that's the uh, most obvious uh, significant change uh, in the immediate short term. But I think coming out of that, there's been a quite remarkable response in terms of members of the industry pulling together, sharing expertise, looking for solutions to problems and looking for alternative ways in which the underlying purposes of events can be met. So I think uh, it's heartening in a way. It's it's good to see the industry rising to the challenge. And I think it, we've got to a position where we're now looking at technological change speeding up. It's been ramped up uh, as an immediate response so that we see things like the virtualization of events. Uh, we see, uh, in so many cases, those entirely replacing what would have been live events. Uh, but I think it's that uh, sense of community within the events industry, and that's across the piece I think that you know that's about venues uh, that's about individual practitioners established professionals uh, those who perhaps work more precariously in the industry as well mm. Fab thanks Dan Sarah have you got any thoughts on that one uh, yeah I mean I agree with Dan uh, obviously COVID-19 has been devastating for the events industry really and it's, mm. it's actually for someone that's worked you know in the industry for 18 years it's Kind of been hard to sit and watch, I think, um, and yes. see what's happened. You know, all of our livelihoods kind of taken away just as, as soon as it all happened, really. So, but I completely agree with Dan. Our industry is it's about bringing people together, and as practitioners ourselves, we we have shown that we've been able to do that in the face of coronavirus. So, there's, there's just a huge amount of change to be navigated, and you know, we're kind of used to kind of going on precedence of what's happened and we we make decisions based on precedence and we just don't have that so yeah. so that that impact of of kind of the unknown and the you know not knowing what the future holds is it goes against everything that we believe as event managers really we like to plan and we like to know what we're doing and and we just haven't been able to do that since uh COVID-19. Yeah yeah a drastic drastic change then and yeah. Ben how about how about you have you got any thoughts on the impact? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, the the, the biggest impact is that um, gatherings of any sort of size or scale um, can't happen. So, um, obviously, that's had the the Im immediate impact of of 
you know, for many of us working in the private sector part of the, the industry, everything's just stopped. Um, and I guess actually it, it, that then leads to the, the sort of human side of, of, of the whole business. I mean, uh, you know, many of the people I employ work with sub, the whole supply chain, you know, there's 300 and something odd suppliers in our, on our supply chain list. Um, they're all people and they've all been furloughed or possibly been made redundant, et cetera. So that, that's been, you know, personally for me being, been um, quite challenged because because ultimately you work with these people you trust them they become good friends and and colleagues so so that's sort of been my human side of it um i think uh um dan just mentioned you know the the sort of creativity um has definitely come out and and the impact from uh of the subsectors of the event industry i think has been quite interesting you know those in conferences and exhibitions have gone virtually and online um some people in the festival game have tried to do that with a sort of mixed mixed response and and uh um an impact um and yet some of us have also diversified so personally i've been working with a with a team here at REM and, and we've been on site up at, at UE um, helping build some of the Nightingale hospitals. So creativity in all sorts of um, uh, iterations of it, if you like. And then I think the final, the final thing that's really hit me is actually how the sector has pulled together and lobbied quite successfully with central government. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure central government necessarily acknowledged the events and exhibitions sector I think we were clumped in the middle of sort of culture, art and tourism. Um, yeah. And I think we've definitely been shouting quite loud and quite proudly, I think, justifiably. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think that's been good. You know, good friends or competitors in the sector have actually pulled together and, and championed um, what we all stand for and our impact on on the wider economy, you know, bars, restaurants, hotels, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been challenging, but also really, really interesting to, to be a bit creative and, and work with other people. And it's really nice that the three of you have all kind of talked about the human side of it. So I suppose moving on from that point um, and thinking about how people have worked together, are there hopes for the future of the industry and kind of what changes we'll see? And maybe Sarah, some comments from you on that? Uh, Yeah, I think um, Ben touched on an interesting point there about the government advice. And I I do feel, feel like a lot of people in the industry feel like we have been slightly forgotten and, you know, there is lacking in some clarity. So I really hope that if we are going to move forward, we do need a, a, bit, a bit more guidance, really, and help from the government. And as Ben said, you know, I've been really impressed at how everyone's, you know, competitors have just joined together to try and work this out. And, and that's been really nice. So, I mean, a long term hope, obviously, I and mean, we all hope we'll get back to doing events on scale. Um, you know, I do award ceremonies and that's we're talking about 18,000 people. So, you know, we need some guidance. We need to know that we'll be able to get back to doing that. So, And I still think that there is appetite for in-person events. And I think there always will be, you know, Ben touched yeah. off music and festivals. It's just not really the same online as, as uh, being there in person, I don't think. Yeah, that's fab. And Ben, have you got anything to add on that point about, about um, sort of adding a, a virtual element as things move forward? Yeah, I, I, I think... Um... I, th- I think the virtual element actually for me doesn't just play around um, uh, how our audiences engage with us. I think it's actually more about how teams collaborate, 
who are planning and delivering events. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll give one example, which might might seem a bit bit small and 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 sort of insignificant, but you know, everyone has had Microsoft Teams or Zoom or you, you know Google Hangout or Google Meet. And um, you know, I, I quiz how many people really were actually using those sort of tools to plan and deliver events. And you know, us for example, we we deliver stuff around the United United Kingdom, and would constantly get in the car at three, four in the morning to travel up north, possibly for for a client meeting or a planning meeting. But in actual fact, we've learned through this very difficult, challenging time that the technology exists there to actually make our planning a lot more efficient. Um, you know, another example, last week we had a briefing for over 120 hot air balloon pilots who take part in the balloon fiesta. And, um, you know, we did that on a webinar and actually it was the best way we've ever briefed those pilots ever in the 10, 11 years I've been involved in running that event. You know, everyone everyone was able to make it from their sort of lounge or, or living room um, and, uh, and actually receive the information firsthand. And better than reading an email, you know, actually talking to them for a presentation. So, so for me, the virtual thing in the future isn't just about um, the, the, how an audience interacts with an event. It's actually how we, event managers, um, uh, can use that technology to improve our planning and make us more efficient going forward. Brilliant. And Dan, have you got any comments you want to make on, on sort of the hopes and future for the industry? I mean, I think fundamentally the, the, the hope for the future of the industry is that nothing has really changed in the long term and that the purpose and value of events remains very much as it was prior to the, the, the COVID crisis. So I think, you know, we know that consumers are looking for significant, memorable, enjoyable experiences. As Ben says, they're looking to be engaged. And I don't think there's any evidence of consumer demand changing. And, and if you just look, for example, at the way in which consumers have engaged with, for example, virtual festivals that have been staged over recent weeks, that the, the desire is still there to participate in those sorts of events. I think it's very much seen as, you know, it's just a temporary stop. Uh, in that kind of activity. But I think the consumer will be back uh, with a, an even greater demand. And I think that's across sectors. That's not just in the kind of popular cultural uh, side of events. That's likely to be in the business event sector uh, and more broadly uh, in general as well. I think as both Sarah and Ben have said, the, the virtual is an important addition that perhaps hasn't been thought about uh, to the extent that it could have in the past and that it's a way to generate secondary audiences if you can, uh, you know, there's an opportunity at the moment to, to discover ways in which to engage people through those alternative platforms, but they can continue to run alongside the, the live events or the face-to-face -face, uh, events when, when it's possible for those gatherings to happen again. And kind of, a, so a third question for you all to kind of give some input into is what innovative and creative ways are people looking at for changing the way that they run events? And maybe Ben will come to you first on that one. Um, it's a really interesting question, and I'm not necessarily sure I've got an answer yet because mm -hmm. I've been I've been observing all sorts of people trying the drive-through, the virtual event, etc. And I have to say, I, I just I, I, I'm not sure that's true innovation or creativity. I think that's just slightly reinventing things that have possibly happened and haven't necessarily got any had any traction in the market mm -hmm. over over the years. So. Um, you know, I think I've seen some really interesting virtual stuff, um, uh, 
but uh, but I'm I'm not convinced. Certainly, in my sort of subsector, if you like, of the whole industry, I'm not convinced it's it's going to absolutely work. I think we can I, I think we can use it as part of a solution, not, but not the only one. And I, I I'd agree with Dan. I think the consumer is still going to want those moments and that interaction. We're, we're there's something about a human instinct um, uh, that we want to create memories with our friends and families, and we do that in a field listening to our favourite band and doing that online. You know. I, I, I watched with my own family take that. I think the other the other week, um, you know, a twenty eight minute show, and it just wasn't the same as being in a stadium. Um, so, so I, I, I think the innovation is 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 actually going to have to become in not replacing, but actually how how do we still hold events, but when there might be some guidance or criteria that we have to meet to enable those to still happen in the in the real world. So, you know, how do you get people at a distance of two or one meter apart? Um, how do you maybe how do you maybe use technology to be innovative on on sort of ticket check to 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 work alongside the government's track and trace scheme, for example? I think it's that in those areas that we need to we need to look at innovation rather than um, just crossing an event out completely and 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 putting it on a virtual platform. Dan, have you, have you got thoughts on that also? I mean, I, th- I think the kind of innovative and creative responses and solutions are some are very much a work in progress at the moment. Mm. So we see, you know, I, I think you know we would always characterise the event sector as being pretty dynamic, and we've we've seen that we've seen people able to respond rapidly uh, to changing conditions. But I think in terms of uh, solving the problems that cancelling face-to-face uh, meetings or face-to-face gatherings uh, creates is, is some way further down the line. So mm-hmm. uh, there have been things I've seen. If you look at, for example, something like Boomtown uh, and their quite immersive kind of narrative social media uh, quest, as they call it, there's the, the certainly something very effective there in terms of drawing people in and engaging them with uh, elements of what would have happened uh, at that event and I suppose engaging them with the brand of that event and the, the, the nature of the experience uh, of that but that's an organization that was that was some way um, you know down that road in any case those that have perhaps uh, been able to respond most effectively are those who'd already been considerably uh, creative and innovative in terms of how they were delivering things but I think mm. the challenge now is part of the innovation to date has perhaps been taking technologies that were produced for something else and using them to deliver events or to deliver parts of events. The challenge yeah. now is to, is to create the event-specific platforms or software or immersive environments. And Sarah, do, do you agree with those comments? Have you got different thoughts? Or? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. Um, I think this has kind of shown how all how resilient all event planners are. Um I mean, the whole industry did have to change. It did stop and did people did have to think about new ways of doing things. So whether we think it's the right thing or not, I, I think as an industry, I think we should be pretty proud of, of the fact that people tried to come up with different ways of doing things. I think that, that's something to, to learn from and be proud of. And, you know, we are learning new technologies. You know, there are virtual platforms and there are virtual voting and interaction. And yeah, I wouldn't ever say that I want all of our events to be virtual, but there are elements of those things that have been discovered that I would want to use in the future that I might not have thought of before. So I think that's definitely a positive. Fab, thank you all. That's really, really been um, enlightening and useful. And I think now if we talk to maybe each of you in turn um, about maybe a bit more about your area of um, expertise. So I think we'll come to Dan first. 
So as I said, Dan is the Departmental External Engagement Lead for Business and Management at UE Bristol. Um, and feel free to add a bit more, Dan. Um, but we'll, we'll come to you with a question first then on how the tourism sector has been affected. Yes, well, I mean, again, it's not a competition, I guess, between sectors as to who's been affected worse. But I think fundamentally, if you stop people travelling around the world, uh, there's a significant impact there on, on an industry like tourism. Uh, that's across the piece. That's in, in hospitality. It's in attractions. Uh, it's in transportation. If you look at, you know, major airlines, for example, uh, struggling, it's it's been... It, you know, it, it's been part of perhaps a, a, an economic restructuring of the, the travel industry that's some some way overdue uh, in the sense that we see even very large organisations that are struggling very, very quickly uh, as, a, as, you know, as, as an outcome uh, of the coronavirus uh, crisis. Mm -hmm. I think surprising for, for many of us, but, uh, you know, as with the event sector, I don't think the underlying fundamental motivations uh, for people who want to go on holiday, whether domestically uh, or internationally, will have changed. It remains about escape. It remains about hopes and dreams. It's a massive emotional uh, investment. So I think you certainly you'll see this year significant switching to domestic tourism demand. I think you'll see significant demand for those uh, nations with which we managed to agree bilateral uh, air corridors, uh, for example, and you might see some short-term restructuring in, in where people go from the United Kingdom, for example, or where people come from to the United Kingdom. But uh, I think more fundamentally, there's, you know, there's a significant job of planning and regrouping for the future uh, to be done by the, the tourism industry in general. But again, I think you, you will, you know, you'll note lots of people coming together to share their expertise, to look for common solutions to shared problems. Fundamentally, if we're thinking about the region, uh, the southwest of England, or if we're thinking about the UK more generally, there's an incredibly robust tourism industry and attractions market and hospitality sector uh, that yeah. will ultimately bounce back. It's, it's simply a question of when precisely that might be. Thanks, Dan, for your, for your thoughts on that. Um, all three of you um, so far have mentioned festivals as a kind of a sort of a specific type of event, if you like. So, Dan, a question for you. Do you think festivals will ever be the same again? Yes. I mean, I th fundamentally, I think festivals will be the same again um, because, again, they are about people coming together. They're about people having a good time. That kind of demand for a sense of festivity, a sense of occasion, simply, you know, communing with other members of your community, whether it's a special interest group, whether it's a profession, any other kind of group that you might attach your identity to, that isn't going to change. That's kind of fundamental uh, human need uh, from what we can see. So I, I don't think that, that festivals will disappear or fundamentally change in their nature. As said previously, there is the opportunity to expand activity, to incorporate those consumers that might not ordinarily physically attend. So that secondary audience that might you know, be quite happy to engage with a virtual Glastonbury at home rather than being at the event or a virtual whichever festival um, it might be. If you think about things like professional conferences, for example, 
very often there's a, there's a significant secondary market that would participate in virtually delivered activities. Or, you know, and we're thinking here perhaps something beyond simply watching live streams uh, of keynote speeches, for example. But there's an audience that are not able to make the trip, not able to make the journey uh, in those cases. So I think festivals are incredibly robust. The demand will not have changed. If anything, I think having an entire summer season and whatever duration this period of cancellation might be, uh, having all of those events cancelled uh, in the, the immediate future is likely to stoke up further demand. Mm. That's great. And a third question for you then, Dan, in terms of your role as a lecturer at UE. In, in terms of education, will COVID-19 affect the way that students learn about events and tourism? Without question. I mean, you know, it would be no secret that we're already planning for how those changes might be implemented in the immediate future. The most obvious thing from the events management perspective uh, will be situations in which we ask students to stage live events. We, we simply don't know at this moment in time if it will be possible for students to stage events around the Christmas period, around the Easter period or any other time uh, during the coming year. So that inevitably is going to create a challenge around enabling students to make some of these shifts towards virtualization of events, towards online platforms. Uh, so it will require, uh, you know, greater technical skills among events management students. These won't just be vague aspirations. These will be things that need to be done in the immediate future in many cases. Uh, I think there will be, you know, there are challenges in terms of not having people in classrooms, but there are even more fundamental challenges around not being able to take people out into the field, not being able to take groups out uh, to, you know, to witness events or to, to visit tourist destinations and attractions and to learn firsthand uh, you know, there are things like virtual tours and, and these virtual events that can, that can be engaged with. But uh, I think we're, we're going to need to very, you know, critically think about what skills they're going to require when working in this industry. So that's a fundamental change, having people on campus less, uh, being able to take people out less often uh, will be a fundamental shift as well. And I think, you know, I think the shift to online teaching itself isn't necessarily that dramatic, but the shift to staging events for an audience that you never come face to face with will be a significant challenge for those, you know, in, in higher education where th there are all sorts of challenges there around engaging the audience in the first place, marketing, uh, ensuring that, you know, that you generate um, an atmosphere or that you generate that engagement as the event actually happens. So absolutely fundamental shifts that will not go away once they've happened, once uh, we incorporate virtual platforms uh, and virtual events into programmes, they will be there. Mm -hmm. Dan, thank you very much for your thoughts on those points. And I think that brings us on nicely to, to have a chat with Sarah um, as Head of Events and Stakeholder Engagement at UWE. So a question for you, Sarah, to start with. How have the team at UWE been working to plan for future graduations and events? Uh, well, it's definitely been a very interesting time. Um, so our, our main role, I guess, is to deliver the awards ceremony. Um, yeah. I think the hardest, the hardest part for us to all accept, really, is is just how much graduation and attending graduation means to someone. It, it's a, a kind of lifetime achievement. And it, I always say organising graduation is like organising kind of 6,000 wedding days. Like we know it means something to someone, in which case to cancel it is, is not only devastating for them, but it's also devastating for us. We, we know how important it is 
for someone to have that moment. And I think that one of the hardest things has been how to communicate to the students and that we still care, like we still want it to happen. We are not cancelling events because we want to cancel them. We're cancelling them for kind of a very valid reason due to the pandemic, but also trying to get that that kind of we do still care and we do still understand that you do want it to happen. So we've been learning and just learning how to deliver virtual events and testing virtual platforms and interactivity. It's been a learning curve for everyone. Uh, We've decided to take all of our events online for 2020 of what, what we can do. So and this will include some virtual award ceremonies, which is obviously completely new to everyone. So mm-hmm. massive learning curve for everyone. So, but I, I think every team has had to come together and collaborate during this time. And, and everyone's been chipping in up with ideas. You know, we've all talked about how collaborative the industry has been. So mm-hmm. I've been really impressed with how people have been sharing and, and learning. And, you know, there have been challenges, but we, we've kind of risen to it, but, you know, as at the moment so yeah that's fab um final final question for you Sarah was your thoughts on what you've learned during this time as head of events and stakeholder engagement so I've definitely learned that with I've been in the industry 18 years and I've learned that you can you can actually feel stumped at what the best thing to do is and I I guess it's accepting that that actually that's okay um I always kind of thought I had the answers I always thought somewhere in my career I would have experienced something to draw on and to know what to do and I guess in my position as head of events I feel like I guess that's what my role is and and it's been really strange to to, this is completely new for everyone and in some ways it's been great that it is new for everyone so but also it's just unknown and and it's changing all the time and and I'm making decisions that impact people's lives and and that that feels huge like and I've often questioned whether I'm making the right decision or how do I know whether I'm making the right decision and I don't think in this situation anyone really does and think I've had to do a lot of accepting that actually I might not know all the answers right now and that that's quite hard for kind of a head of events to accept but I've uh, I've learned that collaboration really helps uh, at the start of the pandemic about 70 universities who all organize award ceremonies um all decided to get together on a weekly call um and I have to say that has been life-saving for me and it's a challenging time to be a manager, I think, as you definitely want to know the best thing to say and to reassure your team that everything will be fine. But that's not always been possible. And that, and that's quite hard. And I think I've realized that you have to be honest and kind of good communication and, you know, tell your team how well they're doing, even though they might be doubting themselves. So, you know, we're all a bunch of resilient people. But ultimately, this, this, is, this has definitely taught me a whole new, like, bunch of skills that we all have yeah oh thanks Sarah for sharing for sharing that um Ben how are you planning for future events in Bristol and beyond <laughs> it's okay it's a good it's a really good question isn't it obviously <laughs> um I, I mean I think the first thing I would would say is just to repeat what Sarah's just said um uh talking to others um uh, from the same sort of part of a of the um event sector that we operate in or indeed um those in the in a sort of 
broader sector. You know, I had a really good conversation with a, a counterpart of mine who who provides conferencing facilities for for many big uh, sort of city FTSE 100 businesses and their AGMs. You know, talking is 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 definitely one of the key things. And 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 if if that's done anything for me, it's just um, given me confidence that actually lots of other people are in the same position and in the same same shoes, if you like. So so it's not just you getting it getting it wrong or right or or feeling lonely or exposed um etc so i think that that's the first thing i think i think the second thing that we we've been doing here um is is actually already trying to second guess what some of the guidance from hm government might be around mass gatherings so um you know we've spent the last couple of months working out it, how we could have delivered a balloon fiesta at Ashton Court this August, um, and we had many many times where we we were on Zoom calls, team Microsoft team calls, thinking, actually, are we do are we wasting our time here? Um, now we have sadly now made the decision that event won't go ahead on the basis that mass gatherings are illegal. But um, the thing we kept reminding ourselves is at some point we are going to have to go through that process and those risk assessments and those method statements as and when uh, of sort of regulations get relaxed. So getting ahead of a game, if you like, reading up, um, you know, there's, there's been some really useful papers and material out there, not just from within the UK, but around the globe. Um, so that actually when we do start to reopen, let's say the live event experience, we're, we're just, uh, we're fully aware of some of the, some of the, the guidance and the thought process and the material that, that exists out there. And that, that's been really interesting and a massive learning curve. You know, I remember five, six, seven years ago, um, many people, certainly in, in the part of the sector I work in with, with large scale mass public gatherings, um, counter, you know, writing a counterterrorism plan wasn't something we'd really ever done. Um, and then obviously the sad um, uh, sort of events in London and Manchester meet, has meant that we've, we've had to upskill ourselves and become used to doing that sort of work. So, so we're, we're doing the same sort of thing now and trying to accelerate that as quickly as we possibly can whilst understanding that we are not experts in global pandemics. So that's, that's probably one, one of the key things we're doing. I think there's also something about just being mindful um, uh, about our pricing and ticketing structures. Um, so I, I and, and therefore the impact on our budget. So I, I, I'd agree with Dan. I think the, live, the consumer is going to want the live event experience again. But I think as this situation uh, takes more and more, many more months to unfold, and and let's say returning back to some sort of normality takes place, the impact, let's be honest, on the economy and what people might have in their pocket um, it, it, to spend on event activity or, or let's say their leisure time is definitely going to to become greater. Um, that, you know, so so actually, we're making sure that our budgets are still nimble and light, and we can price the offer at the right price point for the consumer is also something that we're going to um, is going to be a challenge that we're already working through and on the other side of that is actually making sure what the what the cost to us for holding these events might be so you know so I do anticipate that supply chain costs are going to increase um, as margins need to need to improve for, for the supply chain so there's going to be a pressure a downward and an upward pressure from from both sides um, of our budget. The final thing is 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 probably um, certainly in, in for our events around Bristol. We are already having 
detailed conversations with partners, local authorities, the other statutory authorities that we work with, police, ambulance, and so on, um, about how how and when the event industry does open back up, what sort of paperwork, risk assessments, method statements are those partners going to want to see of, of us to, in order to be convinced that we're going to operate an event um, safely. So I guess with you know the, the overall thing is we're, we're probably trying to just get a little bit ahead of the game and second guess, if you like, the world that we're going to end up operating in as, as and when things reopen. Thanks, Ben. And and you touched on Bristol anyway, but just to maybe think about that a little bit more closely, do you think do you feel that the Bristol events industry will recover from this? I think it I think it absolutely will. I think if you if you put in a room the most if you said, right, we need a re- a room full of really clever, creative, innovative people to help reopen a city, I I'd I'd challenge anyone to find a better group of creative, innovative thinkers than event managers. I think it's what we do um, day in, day out. Um, uh, I, I, I would maybe challenge Dan on on something he said about you know is this just a temporary stop? Um, I don't like the phrase the new normal, but it will reopen and it will return to some sort of normality. But I think possibly until we get a vaccine or some sort of absolute clarity on on how the pandemic is operating you know we've seen issues in melbourne spain etc we are going to have to still be quite nimble and accept that we're going to have to be a little bit creative and think on our feet still until the risk has been um, neutralized as much as it possibly can so i think it will because i think as event managers we're we're used to reacting quickly um, and, and responding and certainly what i'm seeing is a you know, even if I just look at the, the feedback we're getting on on social media channels for an event like the Balloon Fiesta, people are gutted it's not happening. They want it back. They want the Harbour Festival to happen. Um, you know, you follow other events like St Paul's Carnival. You know, huge communities want to get back together and celebrate what what makes us all love the place in which we we work and live but i think it might take a a a lot longer than we we think um i I certainly know when this all started everyone was sort of thinking oh you know we'll get into january 2021 and and it'll be all okay again and i'm i'm not sure just because the year the date of the year if you like changes that we're we're going to get back to normality just because the first january's hit um i think it will take a bit longer but we'll recover because we are an innovative creative bunch of people thank you and just a final question for you, Ben. Then, so, what do you think the main challenges are that the industry will face moving forward? <laughs> um, I think the I think the biggest challenge is an, unless a vaccine's found, or the pandemic uh, burns itself out, or all these other things that pandemics seem to do. I think it's how do we make the the, the live event, the live experience possible, whether that's through tracking and tracing type schemes on on entry or through the ticket purchase but ultimately that's going to be our biggest challenge within the guidance and the protocols that we're given I, I think the other one which is isn't something that humans like very much but I think accepting change um, I learned very early on in my career that change is actually the only constant in life and I think if ever there was a time that that's that sort of approach was relevant. It, it is now, I, I think, you know, and Sarah's just alluded to this, you know, I, I've worked days or weeks through the last couple of months where the 
the parameters in which we were operating have changed two or three times within that one given day. You know, especially mm-hmm. the case with our work up at um, building temporary infrastructure for the Nightingale Hospital. You know, we were building things and 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 the terms, if you like, in which and, and things we were trying to solve changed two or three times. And I think that will con- continue to be the case. We've already seen, uh, you know, uh, the, the, I guess on one end of the spectrum, uh, an example of that in the UK with with what happens in Leicester. I think we might be operating events where we might have localized lockdowns and we'll have to respond to those changes um, quite quite quickly. Um, I then think the final challenge for me is being able to scale back up really quickly. So I think we will see, unfortunately, redundancies and and job cuts in some of the supply chain within the event industry. Um, And I think that will will be a challenge for us to respond quickly and or find the right kit at the right price from within the supply chain. Um, So being able to scale up to, to respond to the delivery of events very quickly um, might not be possible anymore. Um, uh, we've certainly seen in the last three months with the limited number of events and activities we've been doing, um, a real tightening of the available availability of, of goods and services to, to fulfill some of the event projects. So scaling up very quickly, which is something the industry's always been very good at doing, um, yeah. I, I think could, could be a challenge going forward. Thanks, Ben, for your for your thoughts on that. Um, so I, d- I don't know whether you know the events industry is sort of almost bound to recover because it, it just shapes who we are. It, it shapes our identity and it shapes our experiences. Um, and as people, we're kind of um, sort of drawn to each other, drawn together. Um, so I just wanted to offer um, the opportunity for any of you to have to sort of give any any last comments or, or any thoughts. You know, I've, I've over the last couple of months, I've had really good days and I've had really bad days. And I think that's probably been replicated in every member of the team that I work with. Um, and not just my direct team, you know, the whole supply chain and if you like ecosystem that, that exists around the events that we run and plan. Um, I think that we have to accept that that's going to continue to be the case for some time. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's okay at the end of the day to pour you, yourself that large gin and tonic or the large glass of wine or whatever it might be. Um, uh, you know, the next day is, is another day with new challenges and, and opportunities to, to, to learn and, and grow. I think sticking together is, is going to be absolutely key. Um, uh, not only in learning from each other, um, but also just sharing that um, that sort of advice and, and support. Um, and, and I would just repeat, I think the biggest thing for me is accepting that change is going to be the only constant through the next uh, couple of weeks and months. Um, but, you know, we, we, we are innovative and creative and we will find the right solutions to, to make the live event possible again. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, I I think we're all going to be defined by this, aren't we? By anything that goes down in history. Um, you know, the, the graduates will have missed their graduation, but in the future, they will say, I didn't graduate because of coronavirus. It, it is, we are defined by a period of history. And I think you talk about identity and that will be those those students who were this year's identity in the future and I think we'll all learn a great deal from this whole situation. Thanks Sarah. I'll say something too I think if that's okay. Um, I mean it's it strikes me really that we've all become sort of amateur risk assessors or risk managers and there's a 
a growing sense that we need to become more resilient or become more aware of our own mental health. And perhaps, you know, some of the activities of the event sector are the sort of activities that might, you know, provide mental health benefits in the longer term, in the immediate term with, with what we have replacing uh, live events, but in the longer term when it's safe to do so, um, the, the potential, yes, for identity, but also for uh, specifically for, for mental health. I think that the event sector has a lot uh, to offer there. And I think recognising that change is inevitable uh, is, is something that the, the sector is very good at. Being comfortable with that and being resilient and being strong enough uh, and, uh, you know, mentally strong enough to, to, to handle that, I think is, is something that is likely to be an outcome of this, not immediately, but something that we'll, we're certainly looking in, in higher education at focusing more attention on that and providing you know, more resilience among events management graduates and trainees. And, and I think that uh, potentially will be a long-term impact, not just on the events sector, uh, but more broadly. And I think you know, both uh, Ben and Sarah there are suggesting that you know, there are Events are an important part of our lives, but they're only one part of our lives. And this is about society more generally. And I think the role that events can play in that. So, you know, it's not an isolated realm of activity uh, necessarily. People are having good days and bad days. Uh, and, and it may well be that events and tourism, I think, have something specific to offer in terms of an escape from you know, a, a stressful period, a difficult period, a, quite a lonely period uh, for some people. But again, I think, as Ben said, when it's safe to do so, the challenges certainly don't disappear simply because the calendar ticks over to 2021 or because we make an arbitrary decision that summer 2021 is safer than summer 2020. Uh, but uh, I think, you know, we're all kind of constantly assessing that risk and there's incredible responsibility now that's going to be placed on the shoulders of event managers and event practitioners uh, in general that perhaps wasn't there previously. So I think demanding even more in terms of the resilience and mental fortitude uh, of those people. Thanks all so much for your thoughts. It's been fab to have a chat with you this morning um, and to hear your experiences and, and the way you're planning things moving forward. Um, and I think we'll all be waiting with bated breath to see what new creative bunch come up with in terms of um allowing us to kind of experience some kind of some kind of event thanks again thank you thank you thank you for being part of our future impact podcast series we hope you enjoyed listening and have taken something away from this episode if you'd like to learn more about any of the topics discussed or have an idea or a topic to include in future episodes please do email us for further information using bbec at uwe dot ac dot uk